the Comedy Zone podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Now offering video visits so you can take control of your orthopedic care from the comfort of your home. Schedule online at orthocarolina.com. Ortho Carolina, you improved. From Charlotte, North Carolina, this is the Comedy Zone Podcast. Find us on Twitter at the CZ Podcast. Email us at ComedyZonePodcast at gmail.com. Now, your host, Will Jacobs. Welcome to the Comedy Zone Podcast. Right back at you, just like we always do it. We're minus one uh, appendage on Voltron. Jason is out. Uh, we don't know where Jason... Well, we do know where Jason is. Jason is a working man. Yeah, I don't know, like, exactly where he is, but I know he's working tonight. So he's, yeah, we, yeah, he's doing something, something important. Yeah, he's, he's, on a, he's on a location somewhere, which is a good thing. It means, you know, not only that, you know, our, our friend Jason is working, but it also means that there's that there's uh, production, some sort of film or video production going on somewhere in Charlotte. So that's a good, a good thing, even though we just got shut down for another five weeks or whatever it is. But, uh, but yeah. uh, you know, it's good that Jason's getting some work. Yeah, we did get shut down. It feels like we're on punishment. I was telling somebody this earlier today. Well, let's get our guest on, and then I can do all of the stuff yeah. I'm talking about here. Uh, we, we got a special guest today. Uh, like we mentioned before, Jason Allen King is – off working and uh making that bread making that cheese so we uh we got a special guest that's kind of filling in a little bit slash guest slash the whole deal he wears many hats in his real life so he's going to do that on the podcast today our special guest has uh been doing comedy in the charlotte carolina area for uh, over 10 years. As a matter of fact, his 10-year anniversary in comedy was this year. Uh, he's uh, produced comedy shows in rooms across Rock Hill and, and other places, too. Uh, he is one of the comedians that when people go looking for work at the Comedy Zone or some other places, they can't book uh, everybody and not every act is for every venue and uh, our guest today gives artists of all kinds uh, better on his stages I wanted to have him here today that's a long winded way of saying our guest today is Charlotte North Carolina Rock Hill South Carolina institution He's an institution around these parts. Mr. Chris Corrado is the guest today. Ooh. Hello. Yes. Normally we'd have a round of applause, but it's remote. It's all good. There's usually a live studio audience, my man. Not this week, though. <laughs> well, then, yeah. Maybe next time. <laughs> Maybe next time. So welcome to the Comedy Zone podcast, uh, Mr. Corrado. Uh, it's our first time having you on, right? That's right. Now we've tried to do this a couple of times and we kind of misfired on the schedules because you you're a busy man. Yes, sir. Yeah, you which is a lot of what I want to get uh into today. So for the people in our audience who are not familiar with you, 
Uh, aside from everything I just said, what kind of background would you like to give our audience on, on you and what you do? Well, currently, you know, aside from my entertainment business, you know, which, which you already know about, Will, is comedy. Uh, I've actually been branching out a lot more and um, not just producing comedy shows, um, still uh, doing open mics, but I've also started producing drag shows. Really? Uh, yeah, I, I decided I wasn't going to dress up. I'm already an ugly enough man. I don't want to disgrace women. But I thought I would go ahead and uh, start hosting shows and booking some queens and kings to do some time and branch out my entertainment business. Brian, did I tell you this was a great get or not or what? This is, yeah, you said this was a good get. I did not think we were going to go uh, drag show so early. You didn't even know about this little treat here. <laughs> so That's awesome. So this is a bonus. that Because I would have put that in the intro. Uh, <laughs> drag show, he's the Steve Harvey of drag shows as well as all these other things. So yes, that's it. That well, look, that is look, that's fantastic, man. So how? Did, I guess the obvious first question is, how did you get into that lane in hosting and comedy? Well, basic, basically, once uh, COVID nineteen hit, I realized that I got to start figuring out some new things and reinvent myself and aspects of um, all the businesses I run, not just the entertainment, but specifically a venue that I do comedy at was something about wanting to do drag shows. I'm like, well, I, I've been to them before. I know plenty of people who do it. And let's start, we can put something together if you like. So it's just like comedy in a sense that you message some people, you reach out to them, say, hey, I've seen you before, or you were referred to me. Um, let me see some of the performances you've done and we'll see if you're a good fit for the show. Look at that. And Brian, I can attest now these pieces are starting to line up because I have heard uh, audience members at Chris's shows call them a drag. <laughs> so this is more of a natural tie than you may have thought before. Huh. Okay. No, nah, I'm kidding. This shows this shows his shows are anything but a drag. We're uh, gonna get into the Chris Carrado shows. They, they they are the opposite of a drag. The shit is very lively. Uh, but but right now we we're talking about this uh, this lane that Miss Carrado is in him uh, in, is in himself now. So how would you say those audiences differ than your normal audiences, or is or is there any difference? Uh, I would say it's the same in the sense that you know if you're good, people are going to come see you. You know if people like entertainment, you know it just depends on what what you like to watch, what you like to go and see. Um, the performers, obviously, they don't really tell jokes. They, the way we set it up, each person on the show did uh, three sets. So you have your music come on, and then you come out and do your dance, do your performance, and basically lip sync to a certain song that you, uh, you, you pick for that set. And people tip them, you know? And then mm -hmm. when you're done, you go back and change, you get into your next costume or outfit, and then someone else comes on, and then each there were three people who did three sets, so nine total sets. Huh. So what's the I, the energy level must be crazy at some of these events. Yeah, they were totally into it. There, you know, a good bit of people came out to uh, support. It was the first time we did one at this venue, so we got a lot of people coming out. And the king that was on the show, he he has a pretty big uh, fan base, and a lot of people came to see him. 
the king what is the king the king is, is the king would be the 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 woman who dresses up as the man oh okay see see brian i don't know if you knew that see i learned something there uh i did know that actually oh, yeah you already knew that i have been to a drag show or two in my time oh so you uh, already so you knew that terminology yeah i i i so uh it was a while ago but i will say this it's it's a great show i mean if it's anything like the show i've seen it's actually super entertaining the music is fun uh the costumes are are fun the performers are fantastic if you get a chance to go to a drag show i strongly recommend it it's actually a really really fun time so chris if people want to check out the the drag show that you just mentioned is there info they can hop on well i mean everyone's welcome to follow me on instagram or like my Facebook page. So on Instagram, you just look up Christopher Carrado. Um, it's the one I'm wearing a black suit with a red tie and then just, you know, follow me and I'll approve. And if you want to look up, look me up on Facebook, once again, you can look up Christopher Carrado or you could look up the like page Carrado show. You will have on a black suit with a red tie. Yeah. That is a very Queens, New York. <laughs> outfit now now you now you originally from queens right yeah Fl flushing queens flushing queens so how, so that's part of what i wanted to talk to you about you go around charlotte now you meet a lot of people from new york that but you were you were that a long time ago or or at least 10 years ago right i moved here in october of 99 oh wow, oh, wow. so then yeah so then 20 years ago yeah, I'm almost 21 now. So how did you how did you go from growing up in New York uh, and and how did you end up in Charlotte? Well, my my mother was looking area. to yeah, my mother was looking to leave the area, and I just got out of high school, and I'm like, I figured I'd come down here and give it a shot and see what I thought, and I just you know never left. Hmm. So then you, so then growing up in New York. Uh, was comedy a part of, like, did you enjoy making people laugh? Did you love watching comedy? Was it a part of your life early on? Yeah, I've, I've always enjoyed telling jokes, you know, and ripping on people. I think some of the funniest things I saw growing up was uh, Eddie Murphy, Raw. <sighs> Man. Um, Andrew Dice Clay, you know, he's pretty dirty and edgy, and I like mm -hmm. that. And I, I've always liked that scene in Goodfellas with Joe Pesci. You know, he's like, what am I, a clown? Am I here to amuse you? <laughs> I always thought that was, that's hysterical, that scene. <laughs> so did you, so did your family early on, uh, did you have a lot of funny people in your family growing up too? Oh yeah, my, my father and my mother are very um, sarcastic people, and uh, my siblings are very sarcastic too. And if and if people have ever watched your comedy, you talk you talk about your family some, and you put them in some of your jokes. Do they do they mind this? Have they heard this? Yeah, it's fine. I, the only uh, only person I ever really had issue with with my jokes is one of my ex girlfriends, and she got mad that I was still telling jokes about her on stage. <laughs> <laughs> so you so then uh you you talked about growing up how you're uh you know you were kind of into comedy you like 
uh, making people laugh. You had funny people in your family, but there's still that leap from I'm a fan of comedy to I think I could do this myself. When did you hit that point? What was that moment for you where you said, you know what, I can not only watch a Eddie Murphy on Raw, but I can get on a stage and try to do that too. When did that happen? kind of happen in your mind? Well, I went through a really bad point in my life at, at the beginning of uh, 2010. Uh, my father had been really sick and um, just wasn't happy with the job I was at. And, and then my fiance and I split up. So just a lot of bad stuff happened at once. And, uh, you know, when you break up with somebody, you know, that you're with for like six and a half years, you know, you got a lot of free time on your hands and you might as well go out there and work on yourself and do things you want to do. Mm-hmm. But then how did that become comedy? Well, I found an open mic back in the day on MySpace, I believe it was. <laughs> and I was messaging a venue. On, it was called uh, SK Net Cafe, which used to be, uh, was it on um, Elizabeth? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Avenue? Yeah. Um, in Charlotte? Yeah. And I, I messaged, I don't know who I was talking to, but whoever was running that MySpace, like, yeah, it's an open mic. And I went and did it. And um, the... <laughs> I always say, uh, and you know this guy, Will, and you, you probably do too, Brian. Uh, the open mic host back in the day was a guy named Ryan Van Gendron. Ryan, that's <laughs> right. That was back I'm, when I remember that. I'm he was, not familiar. I don't. Oh, okay. Well, no, I, I, I know, right? Yeah. Okay, I was about to say, <laughs> I think you did. <laughs> yeah, of course. But he was the first person to ever introduce me to the stage. Oh, that's awesome. And I, I liked it. I actually had a pretty good set my first time, and I got hooked, especially when I started meeting more people. And I'm like, man, I got to do this. And then Ryan gave me my first opportunity to host the open mic. And that's when I fell in love with hosting. Hmm. Oh, okay. Okay. So when you first took that mic for the first time, do you remember nervousness, excitement? You remember how you felt that day, that, that time? Yeah. When I went there, there, there weren't that many people in there. And then it, I, as soon as I got called on stage, a bunch of people came in. And like, I, was, I was definitely pretty nervous. Uh, I think I might have blacked out a little bit. <laughs> But I just went up there and I was just, just said what I, whatever I could remember as fast as I could. <laughs> so what, what was it about it that you liked? The, the audience response, the feeling up there? What, what was it, you know? It just felt good to get in front of people and tell jokes and them laugh at them. Mm. Well, and I guess coming off of what you had just been through, that was probably a dope feeling too. Oh, coming yeah. from a breakup to having that kind of, presence on a stage oh yeah yeah it was uh i needed that in my life yeah so do you ever look back and go see what you missed to her no 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 no. we, we weren't meant to be it was it's a good thing we're not together i just figured now that you'd reach such a claim you might you might want to rub it in her face but that's good that you've held off on that <laughs> well uh, let's just say we're not together anymore because we like the same thing so it just wasn't going to work out <laughs> You can't be with nobody too much like you. Right, yeah. <laughs> so so then you you talked about growing up and sort of comedy being something that, that you were interested in and then your first time on stage. What did you what did your family think when you told them about wanting to perform? Oh, they they were glad I did it. They uh they, they, they felt it made sense that I was doing that. Mm-hmm. Oh, because you had always been kind of silly and funnier because you weren't good at anything else. <laughs> Probably both. <laughs> it's, sometimes it's a combination of that. 
they like he couldn't sit school and he couldn't sit still in school and pay attention to any damn thing else. But he likes to make people laugh, so at least it's something. It's true because I did get in trouble back in the day in school for acting out and doing stuff, making jokes and stuff. Yeah, well, that's so. Then, so then you said you you've been um, you you head from New York down to the Charlotte area, but at this point you're not doing comedy yet. You perform for the first time at SK Net Cafe, Ryan Van Genderen's hosting. So you go from that to liking hosting, but then you go from that to putting on your own shows. So how long have you been doing that? Since February of 2011. Since February of 2011. Yeah. So, then, so, you, so then you're almost uh, a decade in that. Yeah. Wow. So what in your mind made you go from, hey, I like doing this? Because a lot of comedians, you know, they just perform. They don't get into the producing shows part. What made you want to start putting on your own shows? Because I, I, I went out there with, a, I guess you could say, a business mind and saw places where like, hey, we, we should like just do comedy here. So I think I'll ask to do it. And when, if they say yes, we're going to do it. And as uh, another, another comedian you know, Tyrone Burston, he's like, man, Corrado, you brought comedy to places that never would have had comedy. I'm like, yep. <laughs> Brother, you brought comedy to places that ain't got running water. (laughs) (laughs) You'd have brought comedy to some real spots on the map, um, which is part of the Corrado brand. Um, You you have turned that into a market for yourself. I, you know, one thing I, I have always thought was dope about the way you did things was you didn't wait around too long for people to give you opportunities to do shows, to be a part of shows, to have shows, you went out and kind of created your own lane and said, I'm going to, you know, create a space for myself and other comics to have a place to perform. I understand being a hustler and all of that, but was that part of your thinking too, that this can be an opportunity for folks that might not get an opportunity in other places to perform? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I saw a lot of people, you know, just, not getting as much stage time or not getting a fair shot. So I'm like, well, you can get a fair shot with me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because I remember I did, I've done a few of Corrado's uh, shows. Your, your shows, um, I can't remember where I met you at. I don't remember whether I met you at an open mic or, or one of the shows or L4 what. Lounge. What was it? The, oh, that's right, the L4 Lounge. Right, so this was, that was like, was that a like a a that was a gay venue, but not a was it a gay venue or was it a That's gay right. night at another venue? No, it's a, it's a it's a gay club. Right. So we met at at that club because we were both doing that show. Yes. Right. That's right. That's right. Okay, I do remember that. I do remember that. And then so that there was that show and then we probably crossed paths well a bunch of times at the open mic that i ran at fort mill yes uh, as a matter of fact you were the host of the open mic at fort mill uh before i was yes right so i mean we're gonna get into all that stuff but so you you've just you, you've got a heck of a history of doing of <laughs> doing comedy at a bunch of different places around here but um we were talking about your shows and kind of putting together your shows so uh, you, 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 you're performing comedy. You're saying this is an opportunity for myself and other comedians to have a place to perform. 
So you just start calling venues saying, hey, because that sounds really bold. I'm sure comedians listening, you know, it's like, wow, to just cold call or just call clubs and say, or go to places and say, hey, what you think about comedy here? Like you literally just had kind of a balls to the wall attitude about it like that? Yeah. Yeah. Just uh, when you're sitting somewhere and you're like, you know what? I think we should do comedy here. I'm going to ask who's in charge of the entertainment part of things. You really got like, you can't be like that and no's get to you like that. So you must be a person that can deal with no's and, and, and not be swayed or slowed down by that. No, I've gotten plenty of no's. Just got to keep asking. <laughs> well, it depends on what kind of no you get, Chris. Well, people underestimate <laughs> the fact that I'll keep calling until you tell me to stop. <laughs> I think that's right. You're either going to have a show here or get a court order. One of the two. It's yeah, close enough. <laughs> <laughs> so, so a lot of what people talk about around here, Brian, you know this, of course, is is Chris Carrado's shows because Chris Carrado has a, a brand. His, his shows, especially in the in the Rock Hill areas uh, area, they it's kind of a brand of comedy where anything really could happen. It's like Roadhouse or something. Like, if you remember, if y'all remember the movie Roadhouse from back in the day with Patrick Swayze, uh, you know, you might be telling a joke of somebody get through over top of a pool table. It could happen at a Chris Carrado show. <laughs> so you started bringing play. So when, so, so people get an idea. The places, a lot of the places that Carrado has shows that he puts on his shows at are kind of bars that you wouldn't think would have comedy in them. Like, like I said, that roadhouse mm-hmm. kind of bar, different spots where you just wouldn't think it. But Chris sees an opportunity for comedy in these places. So you walk into a bar, you see a bar, you see somebody frying chicken fingers, you see maybe half a dance floor, and you go, comedy. Yes, so you just see it where don't nobody see it then. Yeah. So you, because a lot of time the venue comes and says, hey, you know, I heard you do comedy. What do you think about doing a show here? You walk into a venue and see the place. Yes. And I'm telling the people listening, you have to see some of these venues because I promise you wouldn't see the potential. Nobody but Corrado would see the potential of some of these places. I'm talking about, these are, these are the type of places where if you were thinking like, okay, if Dog the Bounty Hunter owned a bar, <laughs> what would that bar look and sound like? Yes. That's the kind of bar we talk about at a lot of these Corrado shows. But as a comic, it tests you in a certain way that other venues don't test you. Because yes. at a Corrado show, you know, a regular show, somebody might not, not like something. They might boo or, you know be heckling or something like that at a Corrado show. Look, man, a, a, a 60 year old grandmother might walk up and start twerking on you. Or a, like a, like, like an old man could jump up in the back and just start saying crazy shit or come to the stage and be trying to play, uh, you know, musical chairs with the mic. Anything could happen. So, and Chris has been doing uh, shows and venues like that. So what drew you to those kind of places? Because a lot of times 
people are are kind of afraid to do comedy like that in a place like that. So you, well, you were at my uh, one place, Rock Hill Tavern, which was, mm-hmm. you know, that that had that venue for almost two years, and things were going really, really well there, having a good time, and then uh, they sold it. And I was pretty upset about that, so I made a post on Facebook just to let people know. So uh, a friend of mine reached out to me and said, why don't you just do comedy at my bar? And I'm like, said, come check it out. So I was like, okay. And I had heard about this place. And I was like, I don't know, man, because <laughs> I heard about this place. So I show up there and like, you walk in there and there's like a Confederate flag everywhere you look. And oh, Jesus, there's uh, uh, bikers galore and just the most country folk you ever meet. And I, I you know, I stand out myself and a little bit. And if I start talking, then I really stand out. And I'm like, I'm like, I don't know, man. And she's like, no, no, no. Every, anybody and everybody is welcome here. It, it, you know, it's, it might be this type of bar, but when, when you walk in, you will be treated the same no matter what. And to tell you the truth, the people who did the best there were nothing like the people who hang out there. So like Coco Fresh, she was one of the most favorite comedians that ever went in there huh. because she was nothing like anyone who went in there. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah <laughs> so, so, white the, country guys like all over her and stuff like hey girl how you doing type stuff Ooh, jesus and you and you and you be a comedian and you're up there trying to perform through that but she they they were quiet and they listened to her and they loved her they love right and that and that is that that is the thing um about those venues because i remember um I did a couple of shows now. That I know it wasn't that venue because I have just kind of a hard thing on places that have Confederate flags. I won't perform in them. But I know that you had uh, some shows that I did uh, before whatever the place you're talking about now is. And that was where, um, you know, that was really good for me too because the other part of it is even if you're a comedian that's getting work at the Comedy Zone or something like that, you may only be getting MC work. And say you want to start featuring and doing 15, 20 minutes and then one day headlining. Well, those MC spots are only giving you three to five minutes to, to perform. So what Corrado's show was for me was he's like, hey, I'll give you 12, 15 minutes. So nobody else was giving me that like that at the yeah. time. Most venues were not. So Chris Corrado, for me, was one of the first opportunities I had to do a longer set and to work as a feature. So when even when I look back on my career and how I got to headlining, you know, where I do now, a lot of the, some of the start of that was definitely your room and having an opportunity like that. So not just comedians that don't get stage time or can't, sometimes comedians that get plenty of stage time do the shows. I don't want to make it sound like this is like, you know, uh, just only, only that, but all kinds of comedians perform at the shows, but it is a place that those kind of comedians can go. And sometimes it's not just about you don't get stage time. Sometimes it's about you get time, but you don't get enough to show anybody you can feature because you ain't used to doing 15 minutes. So Chris Corrado shows are also an opportunity for comics to do stuff like that. Uh, and that's what it was for me. So, I mean, in general, I wanted to say kudos to you, man. And thank you to you for uh, providing that opportunity for not only myself, but a lot of other comics. Because I know how hard it can be out here getting stage time and stuff. So I had to take hats off to you, man, at least once and say that part real quick. 
Thank you. Yeah, man. Yeah, that that it means uh I think it means a lot to people. I don't know if you if you fully realize kind of, you know, how much that means to comics. I I guess they tell you. They do. I I but I guess I didn't realize it as much until this year. You know, some of the stuff they told me. I'm like, oh, okay. I was just out here doing comedy and having fun and giving people opportunities. I didn't realize it was I was that big of a deal, but okay, that's cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no doubt about it. So uh, what to give people a kind of a flavor of what we're talking about at some of your shows, what in your mind over the years that you've been producing shows, give me one or two of the craziest stories you can remember from Corrado shows. Like what are two of the times or two or three of the times where you're just like, this shit is crazy. Probably when a, uh, a dude rode his motorcycle in the bar during the set. He was literally doing burnouts during the middle of a set. Andre Copeland's set. God. <laughs> now, you, now you coming into a club and you're like, all right, what's the worst that could happen? Yeah. <laughs> well, the worst that could happen there is you get ran over by a damn motorcycle. <laughs> so, so he started doing donuts and burnouts during my man's set. Yes. And Andre Copeland, he's a he's a comedian. Uh, you know where he's based out of? Charlotte. Charlotte, right? Right. So he does he's does some of the shows, your shows as well. And homie is burnt. So what did he do while my man is burnouts doing burnouts during his set? He kept doing his set. He acted like that shit wasn't happening. Well, he talked about it. He just made jokes about it and kept going with it. <laughs> That's kind of what you got to do. Yeah. You gotta like just kind of ride the ride the energy, like because crazy shit gonna happen, and you can either pretend it's not happening, or you can just ride and see where it go and not be afraid to deal with it. So the the, the shows definitely def, definitely will teach you that. Yeah, I think it's hard to it's hard to pretend it's not happening when some guy's riding a seven fifty in the middle of it, like. <laughs> and what you gonna do? Tell him to stop. Right, exactly. Exactly. Excuse me, Mr. Harley. Can you not do that? What you gonna roast him? <laughs> he can't even hear your ass. Ain't nothing you can do about it. That's why it's so damn funny. You ain't got no choice but to work with it. You can't get rid of it. Okay, so that's a good one. So what's you got any more of them like that? Probably uh Ray Money was doing a set one time, and this grandma was like in her 60s, maybe 70s, pretty much rolled right up on him and face to face, maybe like this much, maybe like this much space in between their faces, talking to him, holding a drink while he's trying to do his set. <laughs> and then, you know, she she walked to other comedians and like put her fingers through their hair and stuff. It was oh my god! <laughs> this is. <laughs> So you doing the set? Somebody come run their fingers through your hair. It could happen, yeah. <laughs> At a and you, matter of fact, you got T-shirts based on it. Let's like I survive. You. <laughs> so. <clears throat> so yeah, that. So if you. So for the folks listening that gives you a little bit of the flavor of the kind of environment we talking about. And you just, you just love it. I mean, I, cause you, cause if you, so if you're listening to this, 
if you're thinking of all of the ways that that show can happen and these things can happen, you can imagine that not every comedian deals with it well either. So some of the worst bombs in the history of bombs, a couple of them have probably happened at Corrado shows. Is that fair to say? Yes. I've yeah. seen some people who look pretty hurt when they walk off the stage. <laughs> <laughs> so without naming the comedian, can you talk about a time where even you felt bad? Like, damn. <laughs> Yeah, I've seen I've seen some people uh, end that set early. They just like I, I gotta get out of here, man. <laughs> they just flat out say it. They're like, no, they just say thank you. Have a good night. <laughs> oh, that's the night. one. <laughs> that's the one. Thank you, everybody. Everybody, have a good night. <laughs> Look. Oh, well, it looks like I got the light. They ain't seen no fucking light. <laughs> I guess, looks like I got the light. Everybody, y'all have a good night. <laughs> A lot of my crowds, it's like, you know, they just like to interact with you. So it's like, it's really good if you like crowd work. You want to joke around with people. It, it, it is one of them. And them people, them people we just described, the woman coming up, that's how them, some of them people show that they like you. Yes. They don't know how to clap. They just, <laughs> wherever, wherever. <laughs> well, she had a drink in her hand. So oh, fair, that's right. So clap. she couldn't clap. So what? So what you gonna do besides come up and rub your fingers through somebody's hair? You got a free See, hand. When you put it that way, she didn't have no other option, really. Yeah, I got pictures too. You got pictures of her doing this? Yeah, she was doing it to uh, DDP. <laughs> oh, DDP is another comedian. Um, yes, in Charlotte. Charlotte. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I wanna, I wanna shout these folks out, man, because they, they, they do them shows now. They be, they go in there. Wow, man. Wow. So, <clears throat> but we've talked, we talked some about those shows, uh, but I wanted to talk to you a little bit too about the open mic that uh, you hosted at the Fort Mill Comedy Zone, South Carolina. Um, I hosted it after you. Uh, take me back, because it was a different place by the time I got to it yeah. than when you were hosting it. Because by the time I got to it, we got decent crowds, but the crowds were starting to dwindle because, you know, they put some different rules in place and stuff. Uh, but for the audience listening, could you talk about the Fort Mill Comedy Zone? So if you could picture it listening, folks, it's like it looked like a double wide trailer. Uh, it's real long, a uh, little bit wide, but real long. So when you perform it on the stage, uh, the you know, in front of you, there might be however many feet, 10, 15 feet, something like that. But to the sides of you, it goes to the edges of the room. So if you in a trailer performing at like the sink and the rest of it is out like that, that's how you'd be performing. So a lot of your, if you're giving, giving energy to the crowd, a lot of it is side to side because that's where the majority of the folks are, not directly in front of you. Uh, so that's, that's how the layout was. Now, when you were hosted and the room probably had about 80 people seating. Hold that about that. Yeah. About 80. So describe what it was like when you were hosting. Cause y'all used to pack that place out. Cause you got, who was hosting it before you also? Well, uh, I think Derek Blackman very briefly. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, De so Derek Blackman, who he, he, uh, he was the host of the room at that time. Yes, right. I think he was the first host. 
the first host. Okay, so what were the crowds like when you first of all, how, what made you agree to host that room? You just liked hosting and they offered it to you? Yeah, um Johnny asked me to do it. Johnny, Johnny Millwater. Was either Johnny or Debbie Millwater asked me that I want to take on that room. I'm like, yeah, of course. I was so flattered they were willing to give it to me. Yeah, I wonder what made them want to give it to you. I'm not saying that's a crazy thing, but why are you out of whoever else? I think they just felt I was a very responsible person. Not necessarily funny, but responsible. <laughs> well, that's but that's an important lesson for the comedians mm -hmm. listening. Um, you know, it's not always about who the funniest is in a given moment. Folks want to know who they can depend on. Yeah, there's definitely, if you want to talk about that later, Will, there's definitely a lot I look for when it comes to booking people. Yeah, that's definitely something I wanted to get into. Um, but so you, so at the time that you started hosting the open mics, what were the crowds like at the time? Uh, did you get big crowds in that room then? Yeah, because even for the open mics, I'd have it like sometimes 20 people plus sign up to do the do time. Yeah. Um, I remember sometimes we, there were times we started at nine o'clock. Man, it felt like we went to about midnight almost. Wow. And, and, and what kind of uh, crowds were you getting in there? So you get maybe 20 comics where they're regular, just folks coming in. Well, the, and then when it came to people to see the show, could be another 20, 30 people just to watch an open mic. Wow. So the, and then how did the numbers, because the numbers started to change at a point. I mean, they started to dwindle down. Was it because they changed some of the drinking rules or what? I think they did change up, like, how old you had to be to be able to get in there. I think that had something to do with it. Because you used to get a lot of young folks? Oh, yeah, there were, like, 17-year-olds hanging out in there. <laughs> See, we never, yeah. By the time I got to that place, it wasn't like that. I love that room. Uh, that was why I agreed. Part of why I agreed to do the open mic. Actually, it's funny. You said Ryan, uh, Ryan and Blair were the ones that convinced me to do, to host the four mil open mic because I was kind of thinking about it. They had asked me if I wanted to do it and I thought about it. And then I talked to them and they just said, you just can't beat hosting an open mic when it comes to developing material, because every week you want to come up there saying something different. Uh, it gives you an opportunity to run a room to see how a show works, uh, to keep yourself sharp because you're trying to adjust to the things that are happening after the comedians go up. And they couldn't have been more right. I am so glad that I took that opportunity to host that room because that's exactly what it did. I was constantly writing material, getting ready for that thing. And uh, it made you have to perform, made you be somewhere. Uh, every week. So whatever kind of week I was having, whatever was going on, I didn't hit as many stages as I wanted to. Every single week that was there sitting there for me. So it was a, it was a responsibility too, because you know, it was Thursday nights. That's Thursday night football. That's tough on your boy. You know me, yeah. but it was, uh, it was great because, because of the content and because it made me quick on my feet. So at that point though, the crowds were a lot, less so but you were still coming so Chris Corrado he was still coming to the open mic when I had it but we weren't getting them kind of numbers if we got 15 comedians that was a good night yeah and with the crowd if we got five or ten people that was good so it would be sometimes where it'd be so few people there it would be just me and Chris <laughs> and no like 
and everybody knew what time the show was. Some people just didn't want to come out to, all the way to Fort Mill. For some people, that was too long a drive. Yeah. Uh, some of the comics transportation would be funky. They try to get there, maybe they couldn't. Uh, but yeah, that was a that was a room where you didn't always get a big crowd, but we still made it a point to get on stage and practice and do some sets. So you would have me and Chris in there, and it might be just the two of us. And it's like, okay, well, ain't nobody else show up, so let's hear your half hour. Yep, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> And then, he, and then he would get up and do 20, 30 minutes. And then I get wow. up 20, 30 minutes. We talk a little bit of shop and go home. But it still happened. Yeah. And that was just kind of the level of dedication that he had about it. And that was the level of dedication I had about it. But I remember them times, man, where it would be either just us and a couple people or just us. I don't know if you remember that stuff that well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So what were those? So how far was that for you from where you live? Not even, maybe twenty minutes. Oh, so that's so it wasn't a, a a long thing for you anyway. No. Oh, okay, okay, I got you. Now, now for those listening, you can't see Chris's room that he's in, but he's got a uh, a lot of horror posters. Um, if you look, if honestly, it looked like um a teenager's room. I'm. Mean, it looks <laughs> kind of. It looks a little. It looks a little little. Uh, he's got. Look at this. This guy's a horror fan. Wow, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is my office lounge area at the house. I, I just, for some reason, my internet froze. Okay, I'm back. Okay, yeah, I'm looking at it. You got, you got, the, you got the horror stuff, the classics. Friday the 13th, uh, uh, Hellraiser. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, the original Halloween, I believe. The original. So, so yeah. you a horror horror movie uh, fan guru? Oh yeah, horror nerd for sure. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, so, so we got to talk a second about that. Then, so what are your top three horror movies? Probably, I like. I really like Return of the Living Dead, which came out in the mid '80s. Mm. No, it's pre it's pretty much horror, but it's got a little bit of comedy to it. That's why another reason why I love it so much. Yeah. You took two passions of mine and put it into a movie. And, <laughs> you know, there weren't really, like, famous people in that movie, but famous for, like, horror movies. So the acting was pretty pretty interesting. <laughs> it's pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah, we don't come to the horror movies for the acting. No. You just got to get killed. Yeah, you know, of course, I love uh, Friday the 13th, Jason. It's hard, man, because I also love, you know, Pinhead from Hellraiser, Michael Myers from mm -hmm. Halloween, Candyman from Candyman. I, I love Chucky from Child's Play. I love them all, man. I, I don't see Nightmare on Elm Street up there. Yeah, I got a... Uh... There's Freddy. Yep. Oh, okay. Oh, let, let me... Freddy Krueger was the one... Freddy was the one for me, man. Yeah. Not you, Brian, but... Yeah, I, I'm. I'm. Of all them horror movies, Freddy was the one that. Uh, you say it again. Oh, um, I was just gonna say my my all time favorite horror horror movie is probably the first Hellraiser. The first Hellraiser. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty great. I'm I'm gonna give you my argument for why Freddy Krueger is the most terrifying movie villain in movie history. Mm -hmm. My argument is. 
that Freddy is the only horror movie villain that kills you with shit you like. <laughs> so if you like really into lifting weights or you really into exercise, you gonna go to sleep and Freddy gonna act like he's spotting you <laughs> and take the damn bar and put it through your neck or something. None of these, all, all these other guys are chasing you through the woods or showing up in a place. Freddy is like, you like, think whatever you like. You like Pornhub? <laughs> Freddy's gonna fuck you to death. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. He takes the things you like and kills you with them. Brian, ain't nobody else doing that. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking of the things I like. Like, I love Madden. Is he going to put me in a fucking video game and have fucking Khalil Mack bearing down on my ass? Freddie will do that. He don't care. Yeah. He'll laugh at you, too, while it's happening. He go, he'll go, ha, 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 first and ten, huh? Like, he, and then he be saying little shit. Freddie's low-key hilarious. Every one of them scenes, Freddie got some little line. Looks like you're head of the class now. Like, he always used to do shit like that. So well, that's he's got good I, writers. That's all. Great writers. And <laughs> shouts out to Robert England. I mean, that guy mm -hmm. played that role so well. He really couldn't play anything else. Yeah, no, that changed his whole career. He was yeah. like Steve Urkel. He was so good mm -hmm. that we just can't see him do it. So, so I just heart, that that damn Friday Thirteenth was the one that got me, man. Um, and it was like ten of them. I don't know how many of them damn things they made. Uh, Freddie killed a whole lot of people. The remake and Freddy versus Jason. We we might I'd be interested to hear a horror movie body count. Who's got the most bodies? I think it's Jason because he's been done so many movies. Is it Jason? I think so. I'm sure that exists somewhere. Hold on. Yeah, I I, I would like to know. <laughs> uh, movie body. <laughs> You guys can go ahead and talk amongst yourselves. I was gonna say no that because I'm Don't thinking I'm like I'm thinking of Chucky, I'm thinking of Jason. Yeah, no, Chucky's yeah, Chucky didn't uh, have right, a whole here line. we go. Here we go. The number one. Okay, so let me let me hold on. Let me let's do this. Let's go top five. Alexa, give me a drum roll. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I just heard Alexa. <laughs> Let me hold on. I had the, I had the. Where's right, the? Tell chart? me when you're ready. I had the chart, and now it's gone. Hold on. So someone is the that. So we have a stat. We have the number one movie villain for number of murders. I have the top four. Top four. Here we go, Alexa. Give me a drum roll. Damn, Alexa. All right. Uh, all right. In the fourth position is Chucky. Chucky's number four. Chucky's number four with uh, 9.25 victims per movie for a total of 74. That's strong. That's strong. That's, that's not bad for a little toy, right? That's, that ain't no. bad for a little damn doll. Uh, number three, uh, Jigsaw from the Saw movies. Ooh. Right? Uh, 11.37 victims per movie for a total of 91. Okay. Uh, let's see. Number two might be a surprise. Who do you think is that number two? If I'm thinking number two, uh, they needed a number, a lot of movies. 
Mm-hmm. You got any guesses on this, Chris? Who who would number two be? I would say Michael Myers or Freddy Krueger. Give me but Michael you, Myers. You got it. Michael Myers, 11 victims per movie for a total of 121 victims. Yo, okay. So now, okay, now watch this. Alexa, drum roll, please. Okay. Number one is? Jason Voorhees. Oh, from, there he is. From the Friday the 13th movies, 13.08 victims per film for a total of a whopping 157 victims. Oh my gosh. Look at now, that. Now interestingly, Freddy Krueger not on the not in the top 4. That is that that find. is disappointing. Let me see if I can find the rest of the list and see where. Something. Yeah, he's got to be top 10, right? If he ain't top 10. I mean they made they made 6 of them. Then they made a new nightmare if you want to count that. Then he was in Freddy versus Jason, and he did a remake too. Yeah, you 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 would have to count. Chris, can we make you the official Comedy Zone podcast horror movie guru? One hundred percent. All right, here we go. Number five. Then okay, so working back down from number five. Uh, number five is Pinhead. Oh wow! Which is a surprise to me. Uh, five point nine zero uh, victims per movie, but ten movies. There were a lot of Hellraisers, even without the original character, I believe, Doug Bradley. Yeah, yeah. So 59 for Hellraiser. Number six is Freddy Krueger. With kind of a disappointing 4.67 victims per film for a total of 42 in nine films. Four victims of film? Well, 4.5. You can round up to five. (laughs) (laughs) Oh! Uh, Number seven. Uh, Leatherface from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre series. Yep, that makes sense. Uh, 4.25 victims per film for a total of 34 kills over eight films. Number eight, Hannibal Lecter. Okay, yeah. But, uh, five Hannibal four. Lecter? Yeah, I also don't necessarily consider those films to be horror either, though. I consider them to be more suspense, suspense especially the first Silence of the Leather Lambs, yeah. Uh, 5.4 victims per film for a total of 27 over five films and then this is a little bit of a surprise we do uh norman bates from psycho wow uh 3.6 victims per film for a total of 18 over five movies mm. wow so those are the top nine but jason is jason Voorhees is the number one killer of them all yeah interesting no women on that list no female uh, horror movie serial killers. Angela Baker from the Sleepaway Camp film series has. <laughs> Chris, you remember Sleepaway Camp? Of course he does. Dude, I, I'll tell you about that in a minute. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, okay. I'm trying to think. Let's see. Uh, Ghostface from Scream. Uh, four films, 42 victims. Uh, Pennywise from the It um, film series, which is two films. Now, this. This doesn't go back to the, t- the, uh, the television miniseries, apparently. This is just the two uh, most recent ones. Two films, but 31 victims. So a pretty serious body count over just two movies. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty hard. That's like uh, Terrell Davis. Real hard there for a couple of years. Efficiency is what that yes. is. Pennywise, very efficient. Very efficient. Uh, ben Willis from I Know What You Did Last Summer. Three films, 21 victims. They count that as horror? I know what you did last summer. 
Is that a horror so. movie? I think so. It's a slasher movie. I mean, if Friday the 13th is, then. Yeah. I guess I'm, I'm thinking of monsters. I need to get out of the monster thing. Yeah, I mean, horror movies did kind of change. Halloween really kind of changed horror movies. 1978. Yeah, as the, the kind of the first real slasher film. Yes. Now, Chris, you starting to sound a little bit like Rain Man over there. You saying a lot of dates <laughs> and all this kind of stuff. You really know your horror movies. Pretty well, yeah. It's, I love it. I mean, I've, I've never missed a horror convention in Charlotte. Really? Yeah. Wow. So, real quick, tell us about the horror convention. What is what is? That? I've never even... I, now that I'm thinking, naturally there would be horror conventions, but I've never thought about one or been to one. What what, are the, what is that like? What well, basically think about like a comic con, but with people dressed up as horror icons, and mm. you, you can go to them and get collectibles. And I've I've got a lot of autographs because I've met a lot of these horror icons. Who are who are a couple of the ones where it's like you kind of blow people's mind when you tell them you met or you got one. One really is. Uh, the creature from the Black Lagoon. I met him a few years ago. He's still alive, or at least he was three years oh, ago. Yeah. And that movie came out in the fifties. Yeah. What? Yeah. So it's pretty cool to get his autograph. Wow. Wow. So who who are a couple of the other ones you got? George Romero from the famous Night of the Living Dead guy. That's a good get. And he's not with us anymore, so yep. that's really yeah. special. Um, wow. I got. I met the same the same night. I met Candyman, Tony Todd, and um, Brad Dorf, the guy who plays Chucky. Mm-hmm. So when you meet these guys, are they just like, "Hey, how you doing?" I, uh, just having yeah, regular yeah, conversations. Yeah. It's a big deal to me. Like my brother has been like a vendor at some of these where he sells his collectibles. I'm like, Jim, I just met Candyman. He's like, "Calm down. His name is Tony. Relax." I'm like, oh, dude, Candyman. I'm so excited. <laughs> I think I'd be more like you. I just met Candyman. His name's Tony. That's a really good movie, Candyman. You got yeah. two kids and a wife. They're here. Chris, uh, the, where do you land on um, a lot of the comedy, or comedy horror fans either either love this movie or hate this movie? Where do you land on House of a Thousand Corpses? I like that. It was pretty cool. And, yeah, uh, I did too. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like Rob Zombie stuff. Um I like that. I, I uh, what was the other one he did that was I liked? Um, Devil's Rejects. Yep, yep. And was it thirty one? Was that the right number I have for the other one he did? That I sounds was, right to me. Yeah, I yeah. And then he did the Halloween reboot. Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I thought the Halloween reboot was just okay. I didn't think it was great, but I thought it was okay. But yeah, I like the uh, yeah, Devil's Rejects and and House of a Thousand Corpses are pretty great. Yeah. Yeah, I like them. So what I think, Brian, that we need to get Chris as like our horror movie correspondent. 100%. Yep. Uh, he'll only, it now, now, he'll only be relevant in October. <laughs> okay. But that is one time a year more than anybody else has a regular spot around here. That's, that's even the hosts. Even the hosts. <laughs> <laughs> Ask Jason. He's not here. I have a. Uh, I meant to mention this to you earlier. I have a very funny picture with with Jason Allen King. So we're down at Koozies, and there's there's Jason. I'm staying behind Jason, and behind myself is Vernon Mack. Yeah. 
And for those of you who don't know, I, I mean, that's the height difference between the three of us is like pretty, pretty interesting. So it's kind of cool to see us all in the picture. Yeah, y'all look, y'all would look like three stages on a chart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the evolution so, of men. So, the, yeah, so, so we definitely, when Halloween gets here, Chris, we want to have you back on okay. to talk horror movies. Yeah, because yeah, I we'll think that. that a lot of this. Can y'all hear me? Yes. There you are. Yep, you're back. Yeah, I was going to say, I think a lot of this generation doesn't know or recognize or appreciate the horror movies from back in the day. So maybe around Halloween, Chris, we can have you back on and just kind of talk about some classics and movies that uh, people need to go see and, you know, different stuff like that. Because you have a great memory. That's another thing about Chris, because I know the man personally. Uh, he's got a memory like a damn elephant. So uh, that's why it'll be so much fun to talk to him about it. So yeah, we, we let's let's get back on here together, man, in October and, and talk some more horror movie stuff. Yeah, if, if anyone, you know, just so you know that there's two apps you could download on your phone for no extra charge. It's Pluto and Tubi, and there's a lot mm -hmm. of horror movies on there that you can watch if you want to catch up on some stuff. So if anybody listening goes, you know what? I had never really been into horror movies. I want to know a few of the classics. If you were meeting somebody that wasn't in the horror movies, give me about the top four or five where you would say, this is what you got to get started. This is what you got to start with. I have to say, I got into horror back in 1985 when my father rented uh, Creepshow and An American Werewolf in London. <laughs> Creepshow, I remember that. Yeah, I, I love American Werewolf in London. Yeah, it's yeah. a great, great movie. An American Werewolf in London, the love story in that definitely touched uh -huh. my heart. Really? Yeah. There's a love story in there. Oh, yeah. And it's funny, and it's gory and scary. and Yeah, it's great. It's really, really The good. special effects for, like, the early late 70s, early 80s is phenomenal. Yeah, you look at them now, you probably laugh at it. But in the mid-80s, that, that movie was it. Yeah, yeah it's great. When, when you watch it, well, if you got some time, even just YouTube the scene where he turns into the werewolf, like, what mm -hmm. they were able to do back then is incredible. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's so all, throw a it, snout, you know what I mean? It's like, all practical effects too. There's no computers involved. No. It's all it's all practical. It's great. Yeah, it's really good. So there's one. Okay, we got American Werewolf in Paris. London. London. American Werewolf in London. Okay, that's one. Creep Show. Mm. Creep Show. That's two. Two or three more. Those of you who don't know, Creep Show, George Romero and Stephen King worked on that together. Really? And there's there's some famous people that are in that. Like Ed Harris is in one of the one of them. One of the skits. Um, and then Leslie Nielsen and Ted Danson are rivals in another skit. In that movie. What? Yeah. I Man, I got to go back and watch all this shit. I didn't know Ed, Leslie Nielsen? That's one of the funniest dudes ever. He plays a bad guy. What? Yeah. See, I, so many of them things I saw when I was like little or, or you know, yeah. I, I got to go back. And now, now this got me wanting to go back and look at some of them. You got him, man. The uh, Chris, the scene, I can't think of the actor's name now. All I can think of is John Gilgood, and it wasn't John Gilgood, but it, it was uh, the uh, cockroach uh, story in the, yeah, in the first creep show. I know uh, in the movie, his name is Mr. Pratt. He's, he's, the, he's the last scene in that movie. Yeah. Uh, that entire thing stayed with me a lot. I was, what year was that? 84? The movie came out in 1981. 
81. So I was, I was like in high school, but, uh, but that last one stayed with me a long time. The cockroaches and the, yeah, that's ugh. the end part was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so Chris, watching all these scary movies. So I guess you'd become desensitized. They don't get you like they get the average person, like having you jump and all that. No, man. Like the only thing that freaked me out was at the end of sleepaway camp. Sleep. Okay, okay yeah, good, good. So yeah, there go we go. So let's bring it back to that. So we talked about Sleepaway Camp. I don't even remember that movie. So give us the background and what your experience was with that. So I uh, was that was the probably like uh, I have to say like the mid to late '80s. My brother was having a birthday party in August, and we went to Video Forty Five, which was our local VHS rental place. Uh, and it was I was looking at the horrors. I'm like, we should rent that. I didn't know anything about it. But I put it on, and basically, it's about somebody killing somebody in a sleepaway camp. And when when you see the end of it, you know when you're when you watch the end of that movie, <laughs> as a kid who's like maybe six or seven years old, you're trying to figure out what what's going on. Mm. So so I've never seen it, so it's worth going back and taking a look at. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Dude, it's funny watching the way how people dressed back then. <laughs> <laughs> Man, this guy, I, <laughs> this guy ran like these these shorts where like his junk is like bulging out. I'm like, dude, no, don't wear that, please. Take it off. No, I mean, don't take it off. Put something else over that, man. <laughs> so we we talked about the old school movies. Is there anything last 10, 15 years? I mean, you don't see as many horror movies now. So is there anything that came out more recently that you like? You know what I really like? It's not horror, but I like the Purge movies. Hmm. Okay. Because that seems like some real stuff that could happen. <laughs> yeah, that hits a little too close to home for me. That's <laughs> a little too. Actually, Gray Story, one of my frat brothers in college is uh, was the director of the most recent Purge movie. Oh, wow. Yeah, Gerard McMurray. He directed the last one. A matter of I fact, like I brought him into the frat. He came in the year after me. Um, but yeah, he was a, the, the director for that one. So I've been cheering on. That's awesome. Uh, the Purge movie after that. So shouts out to Gerard. Great work on that. Um, okay. So, yeah, The Purge has done a nice job. So, look, man, uh, Chris, well, I could talk talk for hours. I mean, you know how we do. But um, it was good having you roll through, man, and we appreciate the time. Yeah, no problem. Um, for those that want to get information on your shows, where they can come see a Corrado show, and then we, t- we got the comedy cartel you're involved with as well, right? Yeah, uh, the one show is doing with them. Unfortunately, the venue shut down because it's up in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's only a wine bar, so they can't even open right now. Oh, got you, got you. Okay, so for people that want more information on you or your shows or what you got going on next, where can they go? You can just like the Corrado Show page. With, it's two words, Corrado Show, on Facebook. Or just, like I said, follow me on Instagram. It's Christopher Corrado. It should be just one word. Uh, and like I said, my profile is, like I said, the black stew with the red tie. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, Brian, you got anything else for Chris? Uh, no, I think we're okay. I think we covered it. I'm looking forward to October though. Where we can talk a little bit more in depth about some horror movies. I am. And I want to try to stump him. I want to do a little game show set up and try to stump Chris on some horror trivia. We're going to have a lot of fun in October, Chris. I hope you're down for it. Yeah, you could probably get me, Will, because I, I haven't seen everything, man. You're going to have to dig deep, but you could find something I haven't seen. And that's the thing. I can't dig worth a damn on that topic, so we're going to see how it balances out. I'm going to try, though. I'm going to try to get you. 
Well, if you try to get me with, don't try to get me with the stuff because I know that one. <laughs> with the what? It was a harm we called the stuff back in the eighties. God damn, you really have seen all of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll talk about that in October. Hey, man, thank you for rolling through. Uh, you know, wishing you and your family well with this COVID thing, man. Y'all take care, and uh, we appreciate your time, man. Thank you, thank you. All right, and we'll see you in October. Well, before then, if you want to come see a show. <laughs> I, 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 I doubt that very much, but I will talk to you. <laughs> Look, when you think of this COVID thing, the last people coming out of their houses, I'm one of them five. Okay. Yeah. But it'll be good. I'm just happy that you're doing your thing, man. And, uh, I, again, I look forward to, uh, to hollering at you in October. Okay, thanks. All right, for our guest, Chris Carrado, Brian Baltashevitz, myself, I'm Will Jacobs, and we are out of here. We'll catch y'all next week. The Comedy Zone Podcast is a production of Comedy Zone Worldwide and is recorded in a bunker just off the Comedy Zone showroom at the Abbott Exchange Music Factory in Charlotte, North Carolina. The executive producers of the Comedy Zone Podcast are Brian Heffern and Brian Baltashevitz. Talent Wrangler is Mike Hall. Original music composed and performed by John McKeever. How long do runners need to stretch before hitting the road? This is a 60-second training tip powered by Ortho Carolina. Stretching muscles while the body is at rest can lengthen muscles and help runners improve performance, reduce injuries, and recover from a tough run faster. But how long should a good stretch last? The simple answer is 30 seconds. This allows your cold muscles to relax and be ready for work. Taking the time to stretch properly is critical, especially if you're coming back from an injury. Something to note though, stretching a muscle group for longer than 30 seconds can actually decrease your speed and hurt your performance. In addition to a good pre-run stretch, spend some time after your run and stretch the same muscle groups for 30 seconds as well. This has been your 60 second training tip powered by Ortho Carolina, official team physicians of the Carolina Panthers and proud sponsor of the Queen City Podcast Network. For more training tips or to make an appointment, visit orthocarolina.com. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station.